Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Well, hey there, it's Zach, all the way from Chesapeake, Virginia. Creative Control happens to be my favorite podcast. I value Vish's insight and his ability to balance humor with in-depth conversation while occasionally dipping into serious topics. Regardless of whether I've heard of the guest or not, or however long Vish has known them, you really do get the feeling that the two of them have known each other for a long time, and I walk away from every episode feeling like I gained something. I think that's testament to how good of a journalist and conversationalist Vish is. He has a real skill of opening people up. I also enjoy the spicy and lighthearted ribbing Vish does with his guests from time to time. Oh, and while I have you, did you know that for just $6, you can subscribe to the Creative Control Patreon and get access to all kinds of bonus content? And for $10, Vish will mail you one of his t-shirts. And hey, that Peach shirt is pretty cool. Anyway, enjoy the episode and do do doo do Oh, wait. Fan Lily is a wondrous singer, musician, and songwriter currently based in Brooklyn, New York. Originally from Dorset, England, Lily is a wry and clever lyricist with an alluring voice that warmly welcomes listeners into the cool, detached, but also very engaged worlds her songs conjure. Her third and latest album is one of the finest of the year. It's called Big Picture and was released by Dead Oceans on April 14th, 2023. Fen and I caught up recently, and possibly even became friends, during a frank talk covering topics like our mutual interest in running, fear, and sleeping. 
reading a lot at night and not sending every email, why self-reflection isn't always enough. Loving literature, poetry, and humor, and how they influence her songwriting. Some of the really smart, lyrical magic tricks that I personally love on her new record. The somewhat secret list of references Big Picture makes to creative people that Fenn admires. Why school sometimes sucks. Beginnings and endings and temporality. Writing new songs, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners just like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it, and in fact make flexible monthly donations at uh, patreon.com slash Control. That Patreon is the primary source of uh, good, clean revenue that I get for all the work I put into this podcast. It's not, it's not a whole lot. It's modest, but I appreciate it. If you are able to support the show on our Patreon, I urge you to do so. There's a link in the show notes, so thank you. Visit the Creative Control Patreon and support the show today if you can. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with bricks-and-mortar locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. But you can engage with them wherever you are in the world if you go to their website, blackbird.ca. In fact, you can even order records. You can order a record just like Big Picture by Fen Lilly. You go to blackbird.ca, you type it in in the search thing, and if they can get it to you, to your house, wherever you are in the world, they'll ship it to you. It's just that simple. Support local record stores wherever you are in the world, and in particular, Blackbird Music. Learn more about them, again, at blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from the likes of Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 794 of Creative Control, featuring the gifted musician and my new friend, Fen Lilly, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. All the time. In the same room where I learned about the cancer And you just held your head to mine And you said so Hi, Fen. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm well, thank you. It's uh, nice to uh, speak with you. Uh, where in the world are you again? I know we just talked about it before we started rolling, but I already forget. Where in the world Did are you? Did you forget? Uh, I'm in New York. <laughs> Brooklyn, I'm, New York. I'm sort of pretending to forget, uh, just for the sake of uh, artifice, I suppose. Uh, how are things going in Brooklyn, New York, as if I didn't know? um this i feel very tricked i don't know how to feel about this um yeah things are good just uh did a lot of touring now i'm doing a lot of nesting and started running for some reason um yeah things are all right you mean you just started for the first time in your life running yes (laughs) yeah oh boy that's Mm. you know what i'm gonna do as soon as we're done i'm gonna go for a run in the hot hot heat here in edmonton me too I'll yeah. think of you while I run. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Do you do you do you <laughs> listen to uh, music or anything as you're running? I have to listen to something because I hate hearing my staggered smokers breathing. Um, yes. Yes. So yeah, I've been listening to ghost stories. <laughs> oh. Which uh, 
it's kind of the perfect balance of motivational because it's a bit scary. Yeah. And like background noise that drowns out any chance of me hearing my own uh, problematic body. So, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure it's unproblematic. I'm sure it's just a normal lie. Well, you can tell me. Uh, but no, that's so that's interesting. You put yourself in a position where you're in a horror movie fleeing mm. and yes. that's what prompts you to run. OK. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is also ironic for me or coincidental, I suppose, maybe a better word, because one of the the records that I put in my uh, running rotation is called uh, Fish Scale by Ghostface Killer. There we so go. I have a ghost thing happening too. So something about you and I, we can only run if we're motivated by fear, I think is what we're learning. Maybe. And I don't know what that means, but it definitely means something. It probably means a lot. And <laughs> well, maybe we should get into it briefly. What prompted you to start? It's, I, I don't know exactly how old you are. I don't know anything like that. But uh, if you're starting to run at this point in your life, something has prompted it. Because some people, I grew up with people who have been running their whole lives since they were like little kids. And they're fit and they they worry about it. I only started, well, I started in the last, well, how old is my son? I started just before my son was born, maybe 12 years ago, but really on and off. Uh, What prompted you to start running? Because I realized that when I get overwhelmed, I just run in circles in my head. And to replace that with physical running, A, takes my mind off things, and B means that I feel like I can be in motion in a way that I think I, I used to think that thinking was the only way to keep moving through a problem. Mm-hmm. But taking that into a physical space is distracting, but it's also a reminder that that is not the only way of doing things. Huh, you um, I also heard the word endorphins and Googled it. So that's another <laughs> reason. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really care about the uh, the fitness aspects so much as the mental alleviating pressure aspects. Yeah, um, and it seems to be doing a pretty good job so far. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. You went from figurative to literal running, I suppose. Well, no, it's not yes. quite. Something's <laughs> yeah. going on in your brain. I guess that's actually running. That's fascinating because uh, one of the reasons I really got back into it uh, on a regular basis, and now I do it at least every other day, uh, is uh, because of the anxiety. Uh, because I, I understand it alleviates uh, that stuff that you're talking about, those restless thoughts, if you will. I don't mean to reduce anxiety to such things. For some people, anxiety is very serious, but I do think it does help. My understanding is if you exhaust yourself during the day, your mind has no choice but to let your body shut down and rest. Is that your understanding? Yeah, I guess so. I also, I've been running early in the morning because sometimes I'll wake up and I don't write down my dreams. I don't think that they're that important. But recently I've been waking up from dreams very sad hmm. and i'm not sure why oh but it's all it's a way to kind of yeah i guess it is a way to kind of reset anxiety and almost remind your body that there's bigger problems like breathing yes like you can't stop breathing right now yeah and you can't run into traffic and yeah it's more of like a it's a way of dealing with like short-term problems rather than always thinking you have to deal with long-term problems. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned yeah. you mentioned waking up sad from dreams and I'm sad to to hear that, but have you read in your if you've done any research about the running and it sounds like you've done some, 
has there been a correlation between um, sleeping well uh, and some of the stuff you're trying to alleviate by running? Do you know what I mean there? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's hard to tell. I've, I've been sleeping badly, but not since the running. I think since it started getting very hot. So once I get an AC unit in my room, mm. we'll see if the running helps the sleeping or whether I'm just having a weird time sleeping. But it must do it must do something because this is a big shock for my body. I'm a very like stationary person, <laughs> uh, so it's got to do. It's got to be helping something physically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can't see me right now because we have our things off, our cameras off. Uh, I have a standing desk as well. I've had that for the last 10 years. So I'm always kind of, oh. yeah, I, st- I have some back stuff and it's been better since I employed the standing. This is becoming a fitness podcast. I wasn't expecting this, but that's okay. Well, uh, well uh, every <laughs> once in a while it becomes a health and wellness podcast. But yeah, I have a standing desk. Now I'm running. I'm just trying to tire myself out and tucker myself out because I think what I was getting at earlier is... When you do research about why you're not feeling great in any way, really, almost everything comes down to sleeping better and sleeping well. So I have a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I'm a night owl by nature. So Me too. Even if I have the best at like 8.30, I'm like, okay, I should go to bed at 10.30. I will just mm-hmm. watch one episode of the show I like before I go to bed and read. Because that's usually when I read a book is at night. And uh, that helps me sleep. As I think, uh, based on one of your songs on this beautiful album, Big Picture, uh, Henry, I feel like maybe you do the same. Do you read at night to, to help yourself fall uh, asleep? Yeah, I do. I it, it takes a certain type of book. Right now, I'm I'm reading poetry to, to fall asleep. I've become obsessed with a, a guy called Franz Wright. Hmm? He was a an incredibly troubled man. But mm. for some reason, reading about someone else's madness makes me feel less mad. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. it's not as deep for me. Yeah, no, I do I do read before I go to sleep. I also think I've I've started writing before I go to sleep as well. Yes. Yeah. Just prose. I think that there's a natural kind of low key, low level depression that sets in post tour, post any tour that makes me want to self-reflect but in a controlled environment because otherwise i'm just tour is a very strange environment because you're always wondering what people are thinking of you on stage and whether Mm. you've had enough rest and why you have acne today and Mm. whether your music's even whether it's getting better or whether people are here for the old songs like it's a it's an emotional mental melting pot of uh, stress. Yeah. Absolutely. So absolutely. writing and reading and yeah. Do you, uh, did you, do you sleep well on tour? No, no. I don't. <laughs> no, no. Which makes things harder yeah. to handle. I also think, I mean, I feel like a baby saying this, but I really think I'm one of those weak people that needs at least eight hours sleep right. or I feel completely separate from myself. And on tour, that's virtually impossible. Yeah, this is my wife's constant refrain that since she met me, she doesn't sleep. I think that's the subtext. She doesn't say it in an accusatory way. Mm. But I think she's like, since we've met, I, I used to sleep eight, ten hours, and now I don't. I'm like, well, because I have a pension. What I was getting at earlier is I have the best intentions around 8.30 or 9 p.m. after our kids are uh, hopefully in bed, although they're getting older, so all bets are off when they're actually going to bed. 
but uh, I have mm-hmm. the best of intentions of sleeping early. But then I'm uh, either I bring my stupid phone to the uh, bed in the nightstand, and that distracts me, or I'll say uh, I'm going to go downstairs to the television and watch a, uh, one episode of a show. But then I get hooked, and I watch longer, and yeah. then I can't. I think, oh, it's only ten thirty. I could still watch for another hour. I have those. I have bad self control about going to sleep. Do you have sleep habits that you wish w- would improve to get you to bed earlier? Like I say, naturally, it sounds like you agreed with me earlier. I myself, a night owl, it's not normal for me to go to bed at a conventional time. Do you have that going too, where you don't fall asleep till late, late, late at night, and then you don't get your eight hours as a result? Oh. Uh- I never used to try and go to bed at a regular time because I would wake up whenever. But now that it's hot in the mornings, I have learned that I like the mornings. So I am trying to get myself to go to bed earlier. Okay. But just in general, I'm trying to be more conscious of what I do and whether that's something that I want to be doing. Hmm. So when I find myself being like, oh, just one more episode of Forensic Files or whatever. Yeah. I don't know why I said Forensic Files. I've never watched it. Um, <laughs> you picked a show you've never actually seen? That's, yeah, that's maybe amazing. I'll start watching it. Um, nice plug, but yeah, nice just plug for them, by the way. To, yeah, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> trying to be more conscious of whether I'm not doing or doing something that I think will be beneficial. Yeah. And definitely sleep patterns are involved in that. But yeah, it's it's so easy to just get into like, I'm here. I might as well, or like, uh, yeah, just one more. Yeah, it's it's easy to fall into that. I I don't know sure. if you're cognizant of this or if it's even been done. I should say first of all, how can you be cognizant of something if it doesn't exist? Do people ever describe your songs or your writing as non-linear or dreamlike? That sort of thing has that ever come up? I yes, they say dreamlike a lot and I am really bothered by it because I don't think that they are. <laughs> I don't think that they are at all. I am very, I'm the opposite to how I am in the way that I live my life in the way that I write songs. Hmm. The way that I think, and I'm trying to get better at this, is very non-linear and non-outcome based. Mm-hmm. I kind of just move from thought to thought and feeling to feeling and hope that at some point I reach a, po- a moment where things feel clear. But in songs, I write when I have an issue or a feeling that I can't find that resolution for with just thinking. Yeah. So that's the opposite of dreamlike. Mm. But maybe it's the fact that my voice isn't loud or something. There's some sonic. I think that they're just talking sonically. I don't know about lyrically, but... Well, okay, so I appreciate what you're saying. There's maybe what, I think there's a gauzy aspect to your voice and your records, a gauzy, like the, is that the, do you know what I mean by that? Just like a, it's yeah. a, little clou- a little cloudy, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's where people are coming from. Lyrically, I find it's the opposite in your work because it doesn't put me, Dreamlike suggests a kind of lulling into some sort of, I don't know. Um, well, sleep-like state, obviously, I guess. But your lyrics tend to perk my ears and provoke me to think about things. That's the opposite. Your lyrics right. uh, keep me up at night. How about that? <laughs> I'll put in a complimentary way. You like, should stop listening to my music because you already no. have trouble sleeping. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. It's better <laughs> since I, I didn't really get to finish any of my thoughts because that's the way I am. No, sure. everything's better since I've applied running 
I don't my I know that my sleeping patterns are my own fault. I think right. I'm tired, but I force myself to read or watch something. I'm an information person, and that yeah. makes me a night owl. I just want to consume as much of the world uh, that whatever the world's offering, I want to consume it just before I go to bed. And it's some sort of thing where I don't want to go to sleep. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I, not, I yeah. also yeah. am an information person, and I think that the w- ways to find a mission that I think will be forever for people like us, I don't know why I, that's the phrase that I'm using, but I am, is when to switch off that and when to process it and when to, and when you know that you need to stop. And that is, I don't know if you have like creative outlets or whether, I mean, this is a creative outlet. This is speaking. Yes. Interviewing is an art, but, um, that's why I started writing because it got to a point where I was taking in so much emotional and existential information, just the information that's thrown at you from just being alive. Yeah. And I didn't have anywhere to put it. And it felt like it was filling me up to a point where I didn't. Yeah. I just, I was, I was at capacity. So yeah. Writing is a, is a way to kind of sift through it and be able to put some of it away for a while. Well, they do they do suggest you write. I think ostensibly what some people say is you should sort of do some sort of diary writing of sorts, journalistic writing at the end of the day, and that will that will kind of you know tie up any loose ends your mind is wondering about. Um, and I wish I knew that sooner. I've kind of recently come to that realization where you can assume yourself to be a reflective person who lives an examined life. Yeah. If you are a thinking person, because you think that if you're thinking all the time, you're always kind of coming to conclusions that are important and you're going to remember them. But I think really documenting daily how you are and whether that aligns with how you want to be. I'm speaking very therapeutically, but, you can only see a pattern of behavior if you're always, I don't know, keeping track of, of the direction you're going in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a hard lesson to learn though. I think if it comes at a weird time. Yeah, no. And I, I, I appreciate that. And sometimes I can see how, uh, conveying your thoughts to yourself, uh, at the very end of the day could actually lead to the most sleepless night you've ever had. Um, right. Like it, yes. it just depends on maybe what's going through your mind. But supposedly, I've taught, I've told this story before. But I used to do a thing, and I haven't done it in a while. Where if I was upset about something with someone specifically, and when my youth, I would write them. If you know, since e- the advent of email, you would write the email and send it to them, and then mm. face the consequences. In my older <laughs> years, I've realized write the draft of the email and think about it. So get yeah. the thoughts out of your head and the vitriol even if there is some but don't send it like well, just think about it and then maybe you'll go back to it uh the next mm. day and be like yeah that's maybe a little harsh i'm cuz you know your impulses can be very emotionally driven sorry does mm. that make any sense makes a lot of sense yeah. i find that hard to not just uh react Mm-hmm. I think that there's a there's a space between feeling something and reacting to it that I haven't quite nailed. Yeah. And I don't know if you think that you've got better at it as you've got older. I'm hoping that I will. But 
well, yeah, it's just those things, just little things like I just described. Like, don't hit send. Just, yeah, just think about it. You don't have in this culture, like with a text or something. You, if you're in a flurry with someone, and I mean that doesn't happen to me. And I don't know. I've talked about this too. Like, I tried to in my early 30s. I realized I had too many. I had two or three active grudge matches going. <laughs> And and I didn't even know if they were mutual. I was just like a one-sided, like, that person wronged me or a friend. They're dead to me. And then when we were in the same place, I'd be like, I'm avoiding that person. And then in my 30s, I'm like, this is stupid. And it's eating away at me and probably not even bothering them. So no more. And I would I would, uh, I would, would wave a white flag at that person. And, and, you know, in some cases, they'd be like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I didn't know we were in a grudge match. In other cases, they're like, yes, I agree. We should be civil. So I think it's just, yeah, it's a maturity thing, I hope. Or like, let's yeah. not be petty. And and sometimes you... I think maybe it's a, it's a seeing the result of not doing that thing. Yes. Yes. But I, but I think we can be petty with ourselves. We're hard on ourselves. <laughs> and, and so at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I'm a fucking loser. And then you're like, wait a minute. You, you think about it. You know, some, in my case, it's often my wife's like, you're... No, think about all the good things. Why are you so, you know, mm. anyway, do you have that? Do you, do you have a negative bias maybe? Yeah, I think so. Mm. How long have you guys been together? My wife and I uh, started dating in uh, the year 2002 and then we got married in 2007. So what is that? How old were you when you met? Uh, 2002, I was 20, 24. So mm. she was 20. Yeah, we were in our early 20s. We met at uh, the university. We were doing our... Uh, Master's degree. She's from. I told you I'm from Alberta, uh, Edmonton, and and I. But I'm from Ontario, and uh, mm-hmm. near near the university I went to, the University of Guelph. Anyway, it was a weird thing where I got. I was applying for a master's, and I got into the University of Alberta, where my wife went to school and lived in Edmonton, and uh, I applied there and got in, but they weren't offering as robust, if any. No, they weren't offering any scholarship. The Guelph school offered a great scholarship, full ride for me. Anyway, if I had made the different decision, she would have come to Guelph and I would have gone to Edmonton and we never would have met. Instead, <laughs> I stayed there and then she came and then we now we're together. We have kids and a house and, and we now live in Edmonton. Smoky, yeah. sometimes chilly and cold in the winter, Edmonton. So yeah, thanks for asking. Sorry to go on. <laughs> no, it's good, uh, good context. Why, why, why did you ask about uh, uh, the relationship per se? Because I wonder whether it's possible to, and I haven't figured this out yet, whether it's possible to change patterns alongside somebody for a long time and get uh, better yeah. without changing at different rates or making opposing realizations. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it is a kismet thing or whatever. Like, yeah, it has to be the, the right people. Uh, the right combination yeah. of, of people. And in my case, uh, I'm with someone who could not be more loving and supportive of whatever. So ups and downs, uh, she's yeah. there. And uh, and I've learned to be more like her because sometimes you get in your own head and you don't think about those things. And I think I'm, yeah, sorry to get schmaltzy, but yeah, we're. I think we're no. bo- we both feel like better. Well, I can't speak for her. I don't know that I've improved her in any way, but I think I have improved immensely. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think she would have left if she hadn't improved. <laughs> no, I think we, we were both very supportive of one another and loving and uh, and there for each other. And then, yeah, now we have, 
We also created little um, oppositional forces, our children. So we're united against the people we made and <laughs> seem to be against us. So we've got that going. And then a common enemy, common enemy <laughs> for them and for us. Yeah, that's a, but we we all are doing well here. Everything's fine. But yeah, you said something earlier that I wanted to um, tag back onto. You said you were speaking therapeutically. And when I think about your songwriting and your expression, that term gets bandied about a lot these days, therapeutic uh, therapy, whatever. Like the, we, People are often talking this way now. But I do think it's maybe a part of your practice to understand yourself and, and gain resolution is to convey uh, feelings about relationships or the world uh, in your songwriting. I know this is true of many, many songwriters, but would you agree with what I'm saying about your own practice? Like, is this one of the one of the ways you use your practice is to try to understand yourself and maybe uh, how life is going for you? I think I should try more to reflect on myself. I think that because I started writing when I was first kind of sad about relationship stuff, I almost used it as a reflective tool to look at my relationship to someone else Mm -hmm. and to move that shift that focus would have to be really conscious because I think naturally the way that we see ourselves is often through how someone else sees us Mm -hmm. but um I don't know if I kind of get annoyed when people describe writing as being like like songwriting as being therapeutic or cathartic or like writing is my my therapy it shouldn't be because that is only your perception of how things are. You almost need another voice there saying, have you looked at it this way, though? Mm. Um, especially the older that you get and the more entrenched in behavioral patterns that you didn't even know you had and conscious or subconscious or unconscious kind of biases that you're feeding yourself, mm. you almost need somebody else's input at some point so I wouldn't say that the way that I that I write is is my therapy and I know you weren't saying that no I think that everyone needs self-reflection and that's my way of doing that but also self-reflection isn't the only it's just one side of the of perception you need to know how the world sees you and how other people see you in order to change. Isn't your writing often infused with those objective perspectives of others, though? I know you convey uh, infuse a lot of your... It is very outward. Like, it's all about, a lot about you. Sorry, a lot of um, use of the word you, the, the pronoun you, 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 you. Mm. But, um, and that is your perception of that so-called or, or general them, but I, I I can only I mean you use the right term there I think self reflection I can't I can't help but wonder if um, you know when you're using that it is that's almost a weird <laughs> projection slash reflection thing where you're you <laughs> I don't know I can, I'm stumbling on how to explain this yeah no I know what you're saying yeah I uh, yeah. yeah you is interchangeable between the actual an actual person I'm talking about and sometimes myself yeah but like yeah. I think lyrically I switch between looking at myself from my own perspective, looking at the other person from my own perspective, but that last perspective, which actual therapy provides is 
I am a person who isn't you. Yeah. Looking at you, telling you that maybe you missed something. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I know that the fact that this is my job has made me less able to escape my own brain. Mm. And I don't hate that, but there is something there. There's something to be said for if your whole existence is reflecting on yourself, thinking about yourself, thinking about other people and how they make you see yourself differently. Mm. There's a kind of selfishness there that almost grows with time that needs to almost be reversed at some point. Do you see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying, but I, I would only push back because I feel like you're a very inclusive writer and you let us into your process a lot within your process. Uh, there are a couple mm -hmm. of examples on the on the new record where things get kind of meta and I wanted I can cite them in a moment, but would you agree with the premise of what I'm suggesting? Like you do seem to want to let people in to the thought process. Sorry, I feel like every song that anyone writes, you're getting a window into someone's thinking, of course. But in your case, I find there are a couple of examples, a few examples, where your writing is about writing, and your writing is about the process mm -hmm. of actually conveying what you're conveying, and it's like that fourth wall meta thing that I find really intriguing and clever, uh, for sure. Uh, but again, would you agree? Is that something you're either consciously or subconsciously doing, like let, letting people into what's going through your mind as a writer trying to write? I try not to think about the audience or anyone hearing me when I'm writing. And especially for this record, I was really actively trying to just ignore the fact that the person that the songs are about would maybe hear them at some point mm. or that, yeah, that they were going to be perceived in a way. But also, like, I, I write about what I'm doing, and all I was doing through COVID was, like, I started a diary, and I hadn't really had, like, a... I hadn't really put time into that before. Yeah. I jot down things and, like, use a notebook for songwriting, but I, like, really was... My whole kind of deal was writing. So yeah. if I mention writing, it's almost... It gives context. I like songs that give situational context that doesn't feel alienating. I don't like songs where someone just lists a bunch of like details that are unrelated and kind of too specific to their life to be relatable. But there's an imagery to people like Leonard Cohen where it's like, I can kind of picture you writing this. I can picture the person who did this, Yeah, which I find really stimulating and adds to the enjoyment of listening to the music. Yeah. I don't know if that answered the question. No, I, Probably I, not. and it's not, it's not unusual. <laughs> Leonard Cohen uh, did that. There's the famous uh, line in uh, Sarah by Bob Dylan, where he mentions that he's writing Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands for her. Sorry, he's reflecting upon writing that older song about her in a newer song. And you're like, oh, he's taking us in to that situational context. In your case, uh, what I pick up on... I mean, there's... Okay, there's obvious things, I guess, like Red Deer Day. 
I don't have words for this new verse. Probably something about you again. <laughs> and that's, on the one hand, it's very clever, but as you dig into the song, you realize it's quite, it's quite melancholy. Want to call and get your thoughts on it, but I don't because we're not in love as of really, really recently. Still trying to get used to it. I'm all right. Like, that is very touching. And as a listener, I feel like you're confiding in me. I know you're mm. you're addressing a person that we don't necessarily know or can see, but it feels like you're, it almost feels like you're looking for a friend um, in bringing us into this. Um, and I just want to say, not everyone does that. It can get hokey when you get into this realm. <laughs> I just find this very affecting. Like, I feel like, oh, I want to, I kind of want to help fan here something's not right and and, and <laughs> she she clearly needs to share some thoughts with not just the, the person but with me yeah. do you see where i'm coming from there yeah um yeah. thank you and <laughs> it's funny to <laughs> see like the yeah it's almost like i kind of kick myself sometimes for the fact that realizations that i see that i've made in songs or like the fact that I clearly am asking for help or something go yeah. unnoticed by me because I, it's so clouded in the emotion of the moment. That verse specifically was just a stand in verse because I'd just broken up with somebody and I was, I'd written that song in like the night before we did pre production. Yeah. And I hadn't f written any lyrics for it. And that was literally just whatever was coming into my mind. And then it stuck because it was pure or unedited. But, um, yeah. That yeah. authenticity is very relatable and refreshing is what I'm, where I'm coming Thank from. You. Yeah. And I, I understand that you're like, Hmm, it's a weird time. Everything. I think one of the reasons we've, all of us have, been drawn to things like uh, the rawness of social media or these long-form podcasts is that they don't seem as mediated. They seem authentic. Mm. I mean, the, some people are taking advantage of that maybe and faking their way through authenticity, <laughs> I think, if I may. But I do think mm. this is real. And you do things, like I say, that perk my ears as a listener and as a reader. And I want to get into your um, background as a writer after I cite one more example. It's the song In My Own Time. Mm -hmm. And again, if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to recite a couple of things. Is that okay? I know this can be mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there is, I believe, a chorus here, just like you're talking with an old friend, end at the start and you start at the end. Now this this recurs, but in particular, those two lines are are recited by you. And then you say... Write me a love song, make it all rhyme, hold me up sometimes, we'll be just. Now, that just trails into the next, just like we're talking with an old friend, end at the start and we'll start at the end. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I like that just has a double meaning, like just, we'll be just. But I also like that it doesn't rhyme for crying out loud. That's amazing. Write yeah. me a love song, make it all rhyme, hold me up sometimes, we'll be just. Now, it could yeah. also be, we'll just be. You know, it could be, sorry, man, I, I don't mean to dwell on this too. I, I have a couple of English degrees and this is what happens sometimes on the show. No, yeah. They come back to haunt me. But I just think there's like three meanings there. It's really clever. 
I don't have a question. I just want to convey to you that I find that level of detail, which, I mean, earlier we were talking about Red Deer Day, and it sounds like something kind of happened to happenstance. This, to me, seems very deliberate and thoughtful. Yeah, uh, it is. is. Okay, so you appreciate what I'm saying, I think. I you wanted s- to have it as write me a love song, make it all rhyme, hold me up sometimes, and then that line just not rhyme, because it would be funny if I'd written a love song <laughs> yes. and it didn't rhyme. Yes. But I couldn't find a, a natural, s- smooth way of doing that, so I, yeah, <laughs> I did the double chorus so that it would be, there would be a small chance of it not rhyming. But at the same time, like, just that format, reflects the idea of ending at the start and starting at the end like the cyclical nature of things and how yeah i mean i'm i feel stupid now that you said you have an english degree but yeah what? thanks for noticing no, don't feel stupid i don't no, don't say that i wasn't say it wasn't a threat i no, didn't mean no, to say it as a look at me i just mean and i didn't what i didn't uh despite my english degrees i didn't actually uh, convey everything i wanted to convey there what i want to tell the listener uh right now is so hold me up. So it's uh, just like you're talking with an old friend, end at the start and you start at the end. Write me a love song, make it all rhyme, hold me up. Sometimes we'll be just. And then the next time those that, that comes around, it goes, write me a love song, make it all rhyme, hold me up. Sometimes we'll be just fine. So you do end up doing the half rhyme later. It's great. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I thought that's a level of detail. So where I'm, I guess, where, I, I guess what I'm coming, where I'm coming from with this is, my question is, you seem to be someone who accepts the happenstance uh, on occasion, free form writing maybe even. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's this other part of your process that seems very exacting, if you will. Do you oscillate between the two modes as a writer, would you say? Where like, you know, all of us who have written, sometimes you have a draft and sometimes the draft is the way you leave it. And sometimes you destroy yeah, this, destroy the draft and you start again. Like, are you someone who oscillates or is it... Are you a first thought? I think I immediately know if there's something in something. Yeah. I have never, I have maybe like 10 songs in the whole time I've been writing songs that I haven't put on records. Hmm. But mostly I just, I know if something that's coming out is worth paying attention to and I try and ride that while it's happening. Yeah. Just put my phone on record and get it all out. Yeah. And most of the time, the lyrics that come immediately are the lyrics that stay. And I have to be in the right headspace for that to be happening. Mm. So I don't write all the time. I'm not like a Tom York who writes for six hours a day and keeps some of it and gets rid of most of it. I have to really be in a zone that doesn't come purposefully. But then the editing process is, yeah, I, I, I I tweak things to make them seem like these accidental uh, thoughts have a purpose thematically or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, it kind of, it all flows out and then I have to replace some of it. But yeah. 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 Are you distracted by the drilling on my end? Can you hear that? No, are, are you at a okay, dentist? You, I know you're at yes, a dentist. Yes, I'm you're having a, di- a filling. <laughs> having a filling. Well, just poor timing, <laughs> scheduling wise. But yes, no, I yeah. don't hear anything. It's fine. Don't, don't, don't. Okay, great. Don't fret about that. Um, I want to ask about your uh, your writing background. You seem to be someone who maybe is immersed in literature, but also uh, uh, I feel like you maybe have a foothold in 
uh, comedy, maybe, or humor. I mean, obviously, there's <laughs> those things exist in literature. They're not mutually exclusive. But I do feel like you're you're someone who's drawn to to wit and clever writing. That's what I pick up on and was trying to clumsily convey earlier. Yeah. I believe one of your songs, Henry, is likely about Henry Miller. Is that safe to say? It is. Yeah. 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 So uh, what's your kind of uh, background in terms of how you got into uh, prose writing, poetry, uh, lyric- lyricism now? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I, I mean, my childhood was very like book based. I didn't really have a musical upbringing. And then I had a period where I didn't go to school for a year and my parents uh, got me piano lessons and that was where it kind of began to feel like words on a page and words sung could be together in a way that made sense for me. Yeah. And the music I grew up on that I found myself was kind of, I mean, most of it was folk music honestly. Mm -hmm. But then there was other, as I got older, I realized that for something to be, to make you feel like you're attracted to the idea of the person who's singing it. Cause I feel like very turned off by some vocal delivery and some lyricism, either maybe it's too sincere or it's too self-effacing or it's too clouded in metaphor or whatever. Right. I found some really pivotal musical writers where none of it was jarring to me, namely Damien Gerardo. Mm-hmm. He's got a record called The Horizon Just Laughed. And there's a song on that called The Last Great Washington State and specifically a line where he says, time is a gossip, the clock is a murderer. All of these questions that lead to more questions. And that when I first heard that song, I was like, this is a perfect song. This is, every line feels smart and specific, but also comes from a place of being completely lost. How does that happen? Just he was the first person that felt like poetry met musicality in a way that didn't diminish either one. It wasn't too much and it wasn't not enough. Um, But reading wise, I mean... I just, I, I care about, it's funny that you bring up the funny thing because I think that when I, I had a very sincere approach to, to making things and taking myself very seriously when I was between like 14 and 18. And then I moved out of my parents' house and I went and lived in Bristol. And that was the first time where I was like, being funny is a way of getting a serious thing across without upsetting too many people. Like, yeah. Yeah. self-effacing comedy or I'm, I just remember finding Broad City and uh, oh, yeah. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> those, yes. Those yeah. are the kind of, those are the women that showed me that, yeah, you don't have to take yourself so seriously to be a serious person. Or to be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think that there's, there's music that is uh, kind of hints at, but I'm also just an idiot that I really resonate with and want to be more I want to do more of that. Well, yeah. that so the Damien Gerardo, what you've just said uh, about comedy and being serious and funny, or or or, or I don't know, uh, even morbidly funny, um, mm. and the Damien Gerardo thing that you just 
discussed. Uh, I don't mean to keep dwelling on the song in my own time, but there is a lot. There's a couplet here. Sometimes I feel like I'm just killing time here, or maybe it's killing me. That got to me uh, as both mm-hmm. like, oh, this is getting kind of existential, but that's actually really clever. Like, uh, time is killing us every day. Hey, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. It's a laugh riot. But I just want to say, every day we're getting a little bit older and time is a force. And that little line there, those two couple, those, those two lines really got to me because that's true. (laughs) When we're killing time, it's killing us. And, uh, and, and, and I don't know if you feel like what you were just saying about that Damien Gerardo, uh, lyric and, in particular, uh, might have had an influence on some thinking like that? I don't know. I think everything that you consume has some... leads you to a place. Yeah. Uh, dumb sentence, but... <laughs> I mean, there's there's also a way of, like, there's such a fine line between it's funny because it's true or it's, it's good because it's true and then the other side of that being, well, yeah, duh. I think there's a delicate balance in just like stating something that seems so simple to you and is true of everyone and not making it not belong to you. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yes, what I'm saying is, is true of everyone and is relatable on, on that level. But I don't, yeah, when I was, when I wrote it first, when I first wrote that line down, I was thinking, is this fucking dumb? Is this just like a cheesy wordplay? But uh, no one else had done it, so I thought I might as well. That's that <laughs> that, that that's the rub of it, right? Uh, yeah. D- David Berman of um, Silver Jews and yeah, and later Purple Mountains. Once uh, I was talking to him about a lyric, and uh, on the spot here, I might flub it, but it's 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 something he also discovered had never been said. And it's something like all the seconds turn the minutes into hours into days. Mm-hmm. And and he was he was responding to or sorry, he was reflecting upon the fact that that album, uh, Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea, was critically savaged in some circles when it came out. And yet he's like and some of his lyricism was and that's his great that was his great pride and joy his writing and he's like yeah but if you look that so yes that's an example of something where no one had ever said it and it was just so obvious to him yeah. that that was something you could convey about the passage of time in a yeah. in a in a seemingly elemental way like yeah that's that's how time works that's how times work that but no one had said it and so he was being criticized for saying something as simplistic and how can it be novel or simplistic if no one has ever said it shouldn't that be so anyway sorry i'm really on a run here but that's the tricky thing about people in your work right language is everywhere and all the time Sorry, has yeah. someone criticized those two lines I just referenced by chance? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, I was self-critical of them before. It happened. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, everything. Ultimately, everything has been said. Yes, and everything has been thought. Yeah. But those two things don't always align, and sometimes, yeah, I, I really love it when an artist or a person I'm talking to condenses something in a way that makes a big thing kind of puts my mind at ease about a big thing because it yeah it's just it it simplifies something that is not simple which is life yeah 
in a way that almost like not a fridge magnet way, but I think fridge magnets have a lot to answer for. <laughs> uh, I think that they're, yeah, just I'm bumper stickers. I am a bit obsessed with bumper stickers. I think it's cool to have a bumper sticker or a fridge magnet or a three minute song be kind of a meditation on a simple thing and try and get something across in a way that no one else has, but everyone understands. And yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. a, it's a dirty secret about cliches is that they have profundity. I mean, mm. they can, I mean, yeah. some of them are like, yeah, 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 we know, but do you know, like, have mm-hmm. you really thought about what this stupid thing or the thing you think is stupid is really getting at and it, I I appreciate where you're coming from. I think I was drawn to the same kind of. I am drawn to the same kinds of songwriters, clearly, because uh, I'm drawn to you. Um, the ones who can can sort of take language and put it in a, a clever package, but have it resonate clearly, um, and even if it's obscure. And again, I, I don't mean to keep dwelling on this song. But I believe it opens with the lines, maybe is this the first lines? In my own time, I'll brighten up the corners temporarily. Um, is that the first? I'm sorry, I have my notes all, I have very, I very that, few notes. That's, yeah, that, I think maybe that's the second line. Second, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. My point, is, okay. uh, my point is, brighten up the corners piqued my ears, because I, I mentioned David Berman earlier. It's a pavement I, reference. It is a pavement reference! All right. <laughs> yes. So we are the same. You and I could be friends if we lived in the same town. I think we are now. We are friends now. Yes, I feel that way. <laughs> no, but so pavement, Malcolmus, they're they're your people a little bit. Yeah, I tried in this record specifically to reference as many people as possible without people noticing. Oh, I'm sorry. Have I? Have I? No. This, have I? Yeah, you fucked it up. You ruined it. Um, I've kept a list somewhere of all the people that I'd reference and whether I... I mean, another reference point that is... I mean, we've already touched on the song Henry Miller and it's obvious that it's about Henry Miller because the first verse starts with Henry and the third verse starts with Miller. Yes. But there's a... I was reading the the world of sex when I wrote this song mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily about Henry Miller. It's just he was giving me context for how I was thinking about other stuff that was going on Mm -hmm. as happens when you read and there was a part where he talks about what was it anyway the line that i that is a reference to that is so circle round you the harbor me the man Mm. no me the harbor you the man that's right because he's talking about i think he's talking about like in order to be a man you almost need to avoid recognition of the fact that you're a man because ultimately because i'm disgusting Mm. all men are disgusting so in order to get through life as a man you need to ignore the fact that you're a man (laughs) which is such a weird way of thinking about life because i mean he's a broken person but yeah um i'm trying to think of other other references that i slipped in i'm oh yeah in dawn colored horse dawn colored horse is a reference to a richard broughton poem Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. probably nobody would notice because it isn't too direct. Well, I, but, I only um, I only um, 
affirmed what you were saying because of the press materials. I, I was not familiar mm. with it before uh, this. Yeah, sorry. Just to, I didn't mean to, I know I've come across as no, I no, know no, it no. all today and I don't know everything. I'm just no. saying, uh, I only know that because you pointed, or it was pointed out to me in the in the press materials. Sorry, can you continue to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a part where I say, uh, here roll on babe from 74, when the wheel won't turn, it won't turn anymore. Yeah. And that, when the wheel won't turn, is just a line from a Ronnie Lane and Slim Chance song called Roll On Babe. Because sometimes someone says something that you can't get in a better way. And this kind of comes back to the distilling of information on a in a song or in a line or in a on a fridge magnet or in an idiom, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes someone says something that you can't say in any other way and you don't have to. You can mm. just claim it as your own and move on. Um, like Brian Up The Corners. It's the perfect... Uh, perfect imagery for a solemn feeling. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I actually created a, every once in a while, and I haven't done it in a long time because it's a lot of work, I create little um, audio documentaries on my podcast, and one of them was just about Brighton the Corners, uh, featuring mm-hmm. some insight from pavement members. And uh, anyway, that record really sticks out for me, and uh, I can see that it resonated with you. And, uh, anyway, yeah, no, it's, uh, I like these little, you know, it's interesting that I think you were earlier vaguely or indirectly bristling at being called, uh, dreamlike, but I do think in all, in all your, uh, <laughs> in the things you convey slyly or overtly, you're a little dreamy. Like if I may say, I don't mean that in a like, Oh She's so dreamy. Like, did you? I don't mean it that way. I don't mean to uh, be untoward. But there's something like when you drop little references to things like you've done. Um, you just pointed out one that I didn't catch because I'm not as familiar with that music. But the things that I caught on to, it's not dreamlike, but it it is like it takes me away. It takes me a little yeah. bit away from where where you are on the record to that pavement album. Or to Henry Miller, and 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 for anyone who's going to dig into this record, they might find other references. So, I don't think it's a dream necessarily, but it does. It is mind altering sometimes listening to your to your work because I'm taken to a place or I'm taken to a relationship I had that sounds similar to the one you've you're you're talking about. So, right. I'm just trying to give people who have called you dreamlike a little bit of grace. <laughs> to suggest yes, that, that <laughs> to suggest that your work is impacting them in a way that is pleasant and and yeah. is giving them a little trip outside of life. Does that yeah. is, is have I have I taken them right off the hook or does that resonate? No, I I think I naturally have one foot in uh one foot in outrage, so it's nice to be brought back from that ledge <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> which is fair you should you should have at least one foot in outrage no it's yeah. it's just beautiful work and i i just want to commend you. commend you on it and uh, as you can tell um it's gotten to me and um i hope i hope pleasant ways for you <laughs> like I, I thank you so much yeah no it's it's my pleasure i before we um start to wrap up you did say something earlier that i wanted to ask you about you slipped it past there i thought you said that uh uh, preceding your piano lessons, uh, you spent a year outside of school. Is that what you said? Did I catch that correctly? Yeah, I did. Can you elaborate upon yeah. that? Who spends a year outside um, of school? I don't know. I, did something happen? 
Kids with hippie parents. I just found hard, school really hard, not academically. Just because you you probably have, ne have never had this situation because you're you were a little boy, but I was a little girl, and mm. when you're a girl, occasionally all of the other girls decide they don't like you anymore, and it happens in a in the in a second. Yeah, and suddenly it was my turn yeah. to be the one that was not liked, and I crumbled oh, and I I'm so sorry. didn't want to be there anymore and I my parents were like yeah you don't have to be so we went traveling hmm. around Europe in a bus my brother was a baby and I was yeah a little, a little kid and they gave me lessons on the road and my mom taught me the linguistic side of stuff and my dad gave me maths lessons and I did a kind of Almost like a Little House on the Prairie vibe stuff, like sewing lessons and piano lessons. And yeah. I really thank them for that period of just accepting that creativity has a space. You don't have to just do it one hour a week at school. Yeah, That is a part of you that, if you have it, should be nurtured. And maybe it was an extreme way of providing you with that, but I think it really did something to me and allowed me to see that there's a way to do stuff, but it doesn't always work for everyone. <laughs> like school just wasn't working for me. And then I, and after a year, I, they didn't even ask me. I just said, I'm ready to go back now. Oh. And, and, and were those same kids who tormented you? I went to a different there? school. <laughs> different school. Well, uh, first of maybe all, I'm very still at school. I'm not sure. They they could still be there based on their the intellectual prowess. Uh, I, they don't sound like they're smart kids. No, I uh, I just want to say uh, uh, first of all, I'm very sorry that you endured that cruelty. That can be a very formative. That is usually a very formative thing. My my own daughter went through about a week of that. Mm -hmm. More that she was disappointed that her friend had glommed on to another friend. Oh yeah, uh, that's hard. Who, who who it and and she was proven correct in the end. That she, her perception was that new friend wasn't a good person um, right. in her eight-year-old way, but it was very upsetting. And then, of course, it turned around because other people realized that maybe that was true. Anyway, right. I'm telling you way too much about the playground oh, dynamics at my kid's school, but um, but these things happen, and I, I, I yeah, I, I did, I endured some of that, just like not feeling um, like I belonged and and wanting to avoid school on certain days because I just didn't want to deal with certain people. But a year is, I mean, kudos to your parents. That's amazing that they, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't that. know anything about, I don't really know what a verb is, but I know how to use them. So <laughs> I just, I don't have labels for the things that I know, but. Yeah, um, I don't either. Two English degrees, yeah. I barely got anything. I, I know I said that. What the that. fuck I, is an adverb? I don't you quiz If you quiz me now, I would get that wrong. I don't know. My wife knows. I wouldn't I don't even know. know what to ask you to quiz you. That's how little <laughs> I know. Um, well, it, it's it's clearly you're not lacking in the language and linguistics department. This, this These lyrics and this record is so beautiful and one of my favorites. And I'm so pleased we... We got to chat about it. So I, 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 I before we uh, wrap up completely, I just want to thank you for this time. It's very meaningful for me. So thank you, Fan. I, I, I just want to say that. Thank you. Thank you for your thoughtful uh, reflections on it. It's it's rare to have an interview where you're not just asked, so just describe yourself, and then they get the <laughs> album name wrong and you correct them and it's awkward. Well, um, yeah. So yeah, thank you. Well, sadly... I, I have not. It's not the first time I've heard such things. Uh, I mean, first of all, thank you, thank you very much. But I, I I'm sad that uh, 
I think uh, there are people in my realm who simply don't have the time. They're on deadlines. I'm not trying to make it. I feel like you're uh, pointing out uh, how uh, silly people can be and I'm making excuses for them. That's the subtext. No, that's, that's called compassion, and yes. you should not stop doing that. <laughs> All right, I appreciate that. No, thank you. I um, No, this was lovely, and like I say, I'm happy about it. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about a couple things um, before we wrap up. Uh, one, are you working on new things uh, since the record has been completed? I know you've been uh, touring a little bit. Are you able to write on the road, or have you started writing new works uh, do you have a lot more touring coming up? Can we start there? What is what is your future looking like, Ben? I'm not really sure. I yeah, I I am in writing mode more than anything else. I'm not really sure. I when I have a lot of plans and then they end, I kind of am reticent to make new plans. But naturally, stuff comes up that I feel I need to write about. So I am not consciously, but I am writing. Things are happening in that department. Oh, great. Yeah. Do you do you tend to write a batch of songs in some sort of conceptual manner? Like, is there a thread in a ba- no. in a batch for you, or no? no they're disconnected. They all, yeah, they all find us a, a through thread because of whatever subconsciously I'm trying to figure out at that point. Hmm. Songs tend to come in a chunk, kind of time wise. Anyway, the last record was written in yeah over a nine month period oh okay but I didn't go today I'm writing and it's the beginning of the process it just happened because that was a tumultuous period and I needed to get some stuff sorted out yeah so yeah okay um, no, no I, I, hmm. I was just curious because I do feel like there there are some interconnections here again concept can be a loaded term I don't mean it that way but sometimes when artists uh, do something in a batch they sense and see connections that maybe we don't um Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to dwell on that. No, that's cool. Um, I'm glad you're you're working. Um, and lots of touring, or no? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, there's some stuff coming up. I'm playing at um, playing in Mexico City. Oh, cool! In November or October, and yeah, just bits and bits and pieces. It's hot. it's weird in the summer because it's like there's festivals and then there's kind of not a lot of touring yeah. going on. Yeah. But yeah, stuff will come up. Okay, I trust. Okay. Uh, in that vein, if people want to kind of keep up with your comings and goings or follow you or whatever on in, on the internet, um, do you mm. have preferred uh, places for them to go? Uh, yeah, Instagram, I guess, is kind of the only one that's still standing in my mind. Yeah. Um, Facebook, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't been on any social media for a while. I tried to have a break from it after tour, but... Yeah. Yeah, Instagram is a good a good one to pick, I think. Okay, cool. Now, Big Picture is out now, and people can get it uh, at their local record store, or is there any band camp, anything like that? I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll link to some things. I'll do some... Usually this is my lazy way of getting uh, my guests to point me to things <laughs> so I can link to them later, but I'll just do it. I'll figure it out. I'll Google you. As everyone can, and I will. I'm sorry, add, I can't no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I'm. I'm joking. I'll. I'll, I'll link to everything uh, because I. I really desperately want as many people as possible to hear. Uh, Big picture. It's one of my favorite records of the year. So I just wanted to thank you make, so much. Make sure we share that. Now, if there's a song uh, by Oh, you're welcome. No problem. I'm happy to say. <laughs> happy to say nice things. Um, if there's a song we can go out on uh, from Big Picture Fan, I wonder if you can choose one for us. Uh, and maybe tell us why it came to mind. Half Finished is coming to mind. 
It's the it's one that I wrote a long time ago. The only one I wrote before the period of time where I wrote the rest of the songs. And I never thought it was like good enough. I thought the lyrics were annoying and it was too long form and I wasn't sure about it. Mm. And then the longer I ignored it, the more I kept remembering it. And now it's one of my favorites. So, yeah. This one, I think, this one feels vaguely meta to me as well. He's got tickets to see a band no one knows. She's got my name on a shirt that she's never worn and won't. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's music-y. That's music businessy, if you will. Yeah, it's about me. It's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is about you. Okay. Uh, the only <laughs> other thing I'll add is, and I appreciate you telling us when you wrote it, is sometimes I've, I've found this phenomenon a lot lately. People will pick the last song on an album uh, that we're talking about, and they'll suggest that that last song might be a gateway to their next round of songwriting something about it mm. suggests to them a continuum is any of that present for you or am i reading I'm, I'm obviously this is a leading question but i almost think it's less of like a leading to the next thing and more just leading back to the start of what i've just made it's like ah. a kind of like the last song on my first record is the first song on the record but as a voice memo mm. and mm. this song half finished I thought about putting it at the beginning because it's kind of the beginning of the story of what I then go on to elaborate on but uh, hmm. it could have almost been an opener or a closer but I wanted it to almost be like a perfect loop of like I've come to all these decisions and know all these things and now it's back to the start it's almost like a self-contained world Hmm. Or something like that. Yeah, you have uh, there's something going on with you in time and temporality. I feel like I don't know. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. We could have a whole other uh, podcast about that. But I, I will. I will say that that seems to be something. You're interested in the ending and the beginning of things and how they're connected. Yes. Is that a fair way? Yes. Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I wish I would would and could focus more on the middle, uh, <laughs> just generally. But yeah, I think the I am. I'm hung up on permanence and impermanence in a way that is obviously coming across. <laughs> yeah, end at the start and you start at the end. That's from In My Own Time is what I was clumsily, clumsily alluding to. But that's not the song we're, we're going out on, is it? No, it's not. We're going to no. play <laughs> this lovely song, Half Finished, by Fen Lily from the uh, beautiful album, Big Picture. Uh, Fen, this was... Really uh, an honor and a pleasure. Thank you for making time for me and my uh, stammering and bumbling questions. I, it means a lot. And I wish no, they were perfect uh, <laughs> questions. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck in the future. There's that self-effacement, Canadian self-effacement. I'm sorry. Uh, I <laughs> thank you so much, and I hope we talk again soon. Thank you. Take care. On the train, I'm from two days away from you. I play the start of your finished song. Try figuring out what you're singing about I hope it's not something I've done Watching the world outside moving too fast Makes me wonder if we are as well I told you I love you and mean it completely I just can't say the same to myself I have insomnia, you have a job that you hate 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Lovely. I, I love this album, Big Picture, so much. I love it. I love Fan Lily. She's great. I love that chat. I stop saying I love stuff, but I do. I, I just want to thank Fan Lily for making time to be on uh, my show. And for those of you listening, this is the 794th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, if you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can currently like Creative Control on Facebook if you like. You can like it or follow it. You can also follow the show, I think, still on Twitter. Uh, as I'm speaking to you, I don't know if you still engage with that or if it even still exists, depending on when you're listening to this. I know they have a new name, but we're not calling it that. Anyway, I'm on Twitter uh, for the show, at Vish Creative, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Vish Kana. That's also where I am on Instagram. And I'm on Blue Sky and some other things too so find me and we'll engage also please visit uh, the creative control patreon to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going if you go to patreon.com slash creative control and make a six dollar american uh, or more uh, monthly donation you get access to exclusive content uh, you get the episodes earlier than everybody else and uh, i'll also send you a t-shirt if you like I've got some left in various sizes, a Creative Control t-shirt. Not just any old, sorry, I should be specific. It's a it's a Creative Control logo adorned t-shirt. There's a red one with the logo, and then there's a yellow one with like pizza per letters, and I still have lots of sizes in those. So if you want any of those things, just, again, support the show on Patreon, message me there, and I'll get you something while supplies last. Thanks again to the amazing Alberta record store, Blackbird Music, with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. Uh, you can also uh, learn about them from wherever you are in the world via their website, blackbird.ca. That's where you can order records like Big Picture by Fen Lilly, among others. Also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my dear friend Jim Guthrie for lending me some music for the show. You can learn more about Jim, jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with uh, Fen Lilly. I hope you uh, appreciated her and this conversation and will listen to her music. It's really, really wonderful. And, uh, yeah, I'm just a big fan all of a sudden, and I, I like it. I just want to say I like it. I like being a fan of Fen. 
And if you can, subscribe to this show or follow it or whatever, that would be great as well. All right, I will talk to you very soon. Keep well. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.